0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Conversations with UNICEF Ottawa. My name is Marianne and this week I'll be filling in for Geneviève, who's unfortunately been feeling a little under the weather. With me today is an amazing activist and young leader, Daniela, who will share about her experience working in her community through different NGOs. So grab a cup of tea, sit tight and enjoy this episode. So before we get into it, I think it's important to mention why a big part of UNICEF's work revolves around collaborating with local NGOs. Um, So it is important to understand that the discourse of development has for a long time been based on dual international structures, which create and perpetrate inequalities and one-sided dynamics between developed and underdeveloped countries, um, and ultimately strengthen systems of power and privilege. This also meant that for a long time, it was considered that there was only one acceptable standard of progress. And what that did is that humanitarian action and development work was based on a deeply Eurocentric worldview and relied on monologue rather than dialogue, meaning that the projects that were put in place didn't really respond to local issues, but rather on what the developed countries thought was best for them. So this has led to a lost decade of development, um, where there has been very little sustainable change. And so in order to not repeat that, uh, many organizations, including UNICEF, have been focused on working with local actors who are truly in the best position to know what the community needs. Um, They also recognize that um, local NGOs and civil society groups have a lot of expertise and experience all while helping UNICEF to reach the most vulnerable and remote families. And so UNICEF U Ottawa really wanted to highlight this um, by allowing local actors and leaders to talk about the situation they, um, they are facing um, and their work on the field, uh, which leads me to introduce Daniela, a very inspirational and strong leader in her community in Venezuela, who kindly accepted to come and share her experience with us today. Uh, So once again, thank you for agreeing to talk to us today. Um, And so maybe I can start by asking you if you can introduce yourself. So tell us a little bit about your academic and professional background.
1: Yeah, no, and thank you. The pleasure is mine to be with you today. Um, Speak a little with you. Um, Well, as you say, my name is Daniela. Uh, Daniela Aliendo Bouquet. I am born and raised in Caracas, Venezuela, <laughs> and um, I right now I'm studying my second career, my second degree. My first degree is cell technology, and currently I'm doing medicine in the Central University of Venezuela. Now I am uh, enjoying a scholarship in Illinois, uh, United States, in the southern Illinois uh, southern Illinois University of Edwardsville. And um, well, this is my academic profile. <laughs> in resume, um, I'm also a brigadist uh, of the Red Cross in my country, cross in my country. And well, that's it, that's it. Um my professional background, I can mention, for example, my work with the interim government in the beginnings of of the the government in my country um trying to help in the develop of Voluntarios for Venezuela uh, and now I'm working in for I'm working formally in two organizations my own organization Hazlo Hoy Venezuela and SUMA or Fundación SUMA. Awesome so um
0: for the next question, maybe to get a bit of context. So actually, for those who don't know, this year's cause for UNICEF U-Ottawa is health and nutrition. So we've been focusing a lot on that topic. Um. So maybe you could summarize a bit the situation in terms of health and nutrition in Venezuela and how it has impacted
1: children. Yeah, Um. I need to say uh, first that the pandemic Uh went to us like a pandemic over another pandemic, because before it, we were experiencing uh, an humanitarian emergency, as you know, and now we are worse, of course. Um, Now we have a lack of around 60% of health workers in our centers. Um, This is important to highlight because this is the yeah, the the main of every everything in in health and nutrition in our country um, I need to say too that for example, we have a high rates of mothers uh, who are breastfeeding right now with low weight. This is really important to highlight it because, if you are not good you can't bring a uh, good child children to the world too for us this is a really, really hard topic also we are experiencing um something that probably you know more than, than me in this topic but we are seeing a lot of children with acute malnutrition they are going again to the malnutrition after being being in good conditions. And this is because the water that they take is a poor water and we are not teaching them well in how to do with the water, for example. It's important to keep an eye in this topic uh, with the water, and with the acute malnutrition, because all the work that we are doing all the days of our lives can be wasted just for this thing. Also, it's important to say that all, all the efforts that the international community are doing in the in the fighting again in fighting against the COVID are really good and we appreciate them all. But now we have another leg in the other diseases because we are only focusing the efforts in COVID-19. And maybe that's the reason why a lot of children are now in acute malnutrition because all the efforts and all the supports are going to protection material, which is really important, but it's not all that we need. I can mention an example um, because it's really important for me. The last week, a doctor who is my volunteer texted me and told me, Danny, we need your help. I have a mother here with malnutrition. She is a professional, a health professional, and both of her kids are in malnutrition too. One of them has autism and she's not able to feed them well. And now my organization is this is not one of the objectives of my organization, but now. We are helping them because otherwise they will die, probably. Because she is doing everything in her hands, but it's impossible to survive and to feed two of your children, even if you are a professional in your country. Uh, if one of your children have a disease, for example.
0: Thank you. I think it's heartbreaking to hear that. You know, people that dedicate. Their lives to helping others through the health system are not even able to, you know, respond to their family's need. And maybe you touched a bit on it, but I was wondering if you could, um, talk a bit more about access to food and water in Venezuela. I know it's a important topic, um, in the country. So maybe you could explain a bit more
1: on that. Yeah, I have been working with Secure Water, uh, for a couple of years. I really, I'm really involved in this topic and I love the topic because I think that we can do a lot of things and help a lot just teaching them and uh, and all the people in our country how to obtain secure water or drinking water. The problem is that in the poorest communities, they used to think that the water who they take from the fails of water is pure water, and it's not, because in the top on the top of this fail, someone is pooping or peeing, and all of this is going to a child food and is going directly to our our, our tables, and they don't have gas to Process the water. They don't have the adec- adequate filters to filter the water. And Also, and the most important here, they don't know how to do, and they don't know that this is poor water. For me, it's important because I have been working with this, and I know how the communities can change with the inf- the correctly information in water, how they can improve, how they can um, take advantage of every help that we can give to them. Just because we teach them another thing, water is everything for me, <laughs> um, and it goes uh, together with the nutrition because you can feed them all all the days in feeding centers, and all the family if you want, all the children, uh, their parents but at home, they don't have secure water. They probably will end in acute disnutrition des- and waste all the effort that we and all the NGOs and international alliances are doing. Awesome. Thank
0: you. I totally agree. I'm a big believer that ac- or access to clean water is fundamental to any action or change we want to bring to, to a community. Um, and actually you touched a bit on the NGOs you work with, but I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about those NGOs and what are the goals and activities of these organizations?
1: Yeah, right now I'm, I'm working with an NGO that I founded. It's called Aslo Oy. And I'm also... Uh, NGO, Aslo Aslooi is like my baby <laughs> and my baby is now walking without me because I'm in another country. <laughs> but I really appreciate the effort uh, of all of my volunteers. They are doing a really good job and all the communities like them and know that they are doing their best i'm also working with SUMA, uh, which is a big opportunity uh, that the life g- gave me to work and to learn how to deal with, with an exchange team <laughs> because at the beginning i didn't know any one of them but <laughs> This is a good experience. Um, I pas- I, par- I participated in the beginnings of Venezuela Sueña, uh, and now I have a really good relation with them. And we also have alliances with Proyecto Nodriza and Alimenta La Solidaridad. Um, I'm really involved with all of them because I think that our work is more than just being another NGO and just stay into a pro- program. We are trying to learn all the things in public health and give them the correct um, advice in all the projects to take advantage of all the resources. For example, uh, with Proyecto Nodriza, we are doing talks with the mothers. And We are trying to teach them about water, about breastfeeding and all of these topics that without us. I'm not sure if they don't know about these topics at all, but we are trying to teach them. (laughs) um, And that's important. I'm also collaborating with Sare. This is another from uh, organization in Bolivar, another state of our country. Um they have an educational program in health in the schools and um, they match perfectly with us because we are trying to educate the people to face with the humanitarian emergency through knowing how to do it, this and not depending all the time from us. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And to to know how to prevent, because prevent is cheaper (laughs) than solve uh, a disease. I mean, um, to resume, we are working with mothers in the communities uh, with children, children under five years. And we're trying to teach other NGOs in how to improve their resources with the communities in our country.
0: Awesome, and does ASLO Oy work in that same field? Because I know you work a lot with children through ASLO Oy, so I was wondering if you could talk a bit more about the, the activities or what you really do with um, your, since you founded it with your organization.
1: Yeah, right now we are involved in a project. We are attending around 100 uh, patients per day community. Uh, We have services in pediatrician and gynecology, uh, gynecologic and general medicine. We have resources to give them the basic uh, medication in case of then if they need the warming, for example, or if they have a really basic disease, to be honest. The part that I like most of our job or or volunteering is that all the volunteers are so involved in this dynamic and in all the days of visiting the communities. and if we found a group of children uh, who need a reference to a hospital or a specific a screening or something we take them and try to to finish the the, the cycle uh, with good um, and I really appreciate these volunteers <laughs> one thing that I really want to conquer <laughs> is that for example UNICEF has a supplement nutrition program uh, or complement nutrition program and we don't have that um, probably if we count with a little packet of this, um, we can help more in our communities. And we can, yeah, take advantage of each day in each community. Because what, what is happening is that if we take a, a child, and follow the child until the end of the disease, we're only going to see this child we're not going to see again all the community and we are wasting efforts because the access to the communities is not always the same and it's not always easy to go to every community and say hey we are here we want to help you no it's not (laughs) the same all the days and it will probably help a lot
0: Awesome. And I'm curious since you founded that um NGO, how it all started. How did you come up with the idea? Or yeah, how did you start that NGO?
1: Before I found the, this NGO, I had a really big opportunity in my life, and it was to be the director of the Green Cross in my country, which was, was an organization who served the wounded in the protests uh, against the government without any distinction as i said i am a i am brigadier from the red cross so i have <laughs> i have this in my mind all the time to to not make any distinction in in the attention and in health attention so i was the director of this ngo uh we served a lot of people I think five years ago and um, at the end I say, okay, now we need to do something. We can't say like, okay, everything is over. We're not going to do another thing, but the organization was not in the line or yeah, in the line of my thoughts because this organization had their own objectives and their own mission, ambition, and all of this. So I was really worried about how to do and how to face and with the humanitarian emergency and to deal with it, teaching the people. I didn't want to only give them something and leave. I'm all, always get involved with the teaching of them. So um I talked with one of my friends. <laughs> Curiously, she was developing uh, another project for the university in breastfeeding. Uh, we talk about, oh, probably we can do that, we can do more with this project. That's it. This was <laughs> the the racing you know, <laughs> or the porn you know of our project or organization after that we realized that we really want to to teach not only people but other organizations because i already worked with other organizations and know what they were doing and how they can improve to do the things better so we started to do some alliances, and and that's it.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Daniela, for joining us this week to talk about your experiences. This concludes part one of our episode with Daniela. Make sure to tune into part two of our podcast episode to learn more about where Daniela finds her inspiration and what her experiences as a female activist in a Latin American country
1: have been like.